Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. I'm actually preaching from a passage that I have preached a couple of times over the years here at Hope Community, but I'm looking at it a bit differently today. So if you have your Bibles, you can jump to John chapter 9. John 9. We'll get to that in just a minute. How many people here know that we have eyes that can see what's around us, but that as followers of Jesus, we also have spiritual eyes that can see far more than what we can just touch? Yes? Are you with me on that? That's, it, sound, it can sound a bit weird, right? We have these spiritual eyes. But the truth is that as followers of Jesus, we can walk around with our eyes open and seeing the things of God, or we can walk around with our eyes closed as if we're blind. And I think it's fascinating. Like if we were to go across this room, there would be a huge range of people and how well they can see in the physical. Uh, how many people here would say, maybe you've got the help of glasses or contacts, but you're basically blind? Okay, okay. How, how many people say their sight is terrible? Because, okay. How many people have great eyesight? Okay, that's good. All right, cool. We were sitting having lunch, just the staff this week, and I found out that Deb Peacock, she, like, if she has to wear glasses, otherwise she just cannot see a thing. And I never knew that about Deb. And someone else needed some glasses, but they didn't have any. And so I said, well, just grab Deb's. And uh, that just, that did not work, right? But I think it's more fascinating to consider this idea of our spiritual sight and what this actually looks around. I am grateful standing here today that I have great eyesight and I have two eyes because I had two close calls as a kid. Uh, The first one happened on a youth camp. How many people went to youth camps in the school holidays? I was one of those kids, I loved them. I was also like a pretty sporty kid and I was just generally enthusiastic. And so this one night when we were playing Spotlight Tiggy, we went into this paddock where it was pitch black and the leaders had spotlights and they would like count to 10 or something and you had to go and find somewhere to hide. And being the enthusiastic kid I was, I thought I've got 10 seconds just to get out of here and they're not going to find me. And so they started counting and I started sprinting. I don't know what number they were up to when I ran into the barbed wire fence, <laughs> but it wasn't good. And the barbed wire caught me right on my eyebrow. And anyway, long story short, I got a few stitches. I got my eyebrow shaved off, got a few stitches in the eyebrow and everything was fine. I had another incident around a similar age where I was playing catch with a friend in the front yard. But rather than throwing a ball, we were throwing a boomerang and... That was a bad idea. And so I lost another eyebrow in that incident when the boomerang got me on the eyebrow and the nose. So I look back at those situations, I think just if things had have just happened a tiny bit differently, uh, I might have like a pirate patch today here or something like that. My sight would be very different. But 
our passage today intrigues me because it's, it's about both physical sight and spiritual sight. And so if you've got your Bibles open there, John 9, we're going to read bits and pieces of this. It's actually quite a big passage and there's a fair bit in it. So I'm going to kind of jump in and out of this passage. John 9, starting at verse 1. It says, as he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. So it says, I just want you to see this, it says we. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so there was this underlying belief system that was being addressed here. And the disciples were inquiring about this, is that perhaps there was the sin, that there was sin in someone's life. And because of that, this blind man had been punished. And because he'd been blind since birth, perhaps it was the sin of his parents or someone down the line. And Jesus essentially said to them, well, hang on, guys, you are actually asking the wrong questions because that's not what it's about. We should be asking, hey, what does God want to do in this situation? Because I can see that God actually does want to do something in this situation. So I love this. It says, having said this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. So I was thinking like, I, I'm always trying to think how I can keep my messages interactive. And I just thought today, like I could get Toby up on stage and I get some dirt and I just get some spit. And we'd, But anyway, we didn't go with that. But what, what I love about this is that Jesus was using the same resources that the Father used to create, right? If we go back to the beginning of Genesis, we see that this creative miracle is happening in the same way that God created human life. He puts the spit in the man's eyes. Verse 7, he says, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. Now, it's, it's very easy for us to just read the Scriptures and skim over these things lightly. And so I just want to take a moment for us to actually see here that what we're reading about was a miracle, right? There was a man who was blind from birth and Jesus rubs some mud on his eyes. He goes to the pool, he washes, and now he sees. Now, if... Any Sunday where blind eyes are opened, like we're going ballistic, right? That's, that's a good day. And so we've got to see, like there's a lot going on in this space, but there is a miracle in this place that is meant to grab our attention and say, well, who is the maker of this miracle? And that's what happens. Anytime the Father gives us signs or wonders, they call that because they're a sign that actually points to him, right? And so if we're reading this and we're not actually just picking up at this very simple level, 
So Jesus is healing. Then we're actually just skimming over this and we're not letting this stuff actually sink in. Here was this man blind by birth in a system where there was no Centrelink. Um, Possibly he had little support in his life. His life most likely looked like him being dropped at a certain point in the city every single day so he could beg for support from other people. His life probably meant that there was not a lot of hope and prospect for him. Uh, Marriage was probably not going to happen for him and family probably wasn't going to happen if there was just no support in his life. And so if you can picture that and picture people like that in our society today, you can realise that that is a devastating place to be. And if you've ever had to kind of work through the systems and structures that we do have to maybe get some support for your children or your family or things like that, and you know how hard and complex that can be, then you can imagine what this is like when there's just nothing at all in this place. And so on this day, this blind man is sitting there. I mean, he's sitting there in his hopelessness. And then Jesus turns up. And I wonder if we realise how many people all around us, how many people in our community are actually sitting in their hopelessness every day. And I get that the details look different. Their eyes might work perfectly. Their situation might be that they have a little bit more support than this man had. But what if their hopelessness is just centred around the healing that they have not found, the hope that they have not found in Jesus? That is something that actually needs to get in and it needs to grab our hearts. As we sit here knowing the hope and the healing that's found in Jesus, we need this to actually impact us as we know that it impacts Jesus as he goes around. So anyway, there's this great scene. He goes, he washes, his sight is restored and it actually stirs things up quite a bit because people want to know, well, how did this happen? And so first of all, there's some neighbours as you read through this passage and they're kind of like, is this the same person? Because we think we know who this guy is, but he could never see and now we can see like, is that possible? Can that happen? And then the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, the people who are in charge essentially of the rules, the religious rules, they actually hear about this miracle taking place. And what astounds me still is that in the middle of this amazing miracle, they have some concerns. Their concern is, first of all, that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Number one, only life-saving healing is allowed on the Sabbath according to their rules. And so they're having these discussions. Like this man's been healed. His life has been changed forever, right? And they're having discussions about whether it was actually life-saving and necessary on the Sabbath. Does that sound ridiculous? Okay, but keep your eyes open because sometimes this is us, all right? Just a heads up. Their second issue was how the miracle took place. So Jesus, he took the dirt and he spat in it, got some saliva 
And as he works that saliva into the dirt to create some mud, they've actually decided that he was kneading, just like kneading dough. And they said, well, that's actually work. And you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And so these Pharisees got major issues with what has actually taken place on the Sabbath. The problem with them having problems is that this was a society that was heavily connected. And this man, the healed man, his family and other people in that community, they actually sit to some level under the authority of these religious leaders. And so if they disapprove of what's taking place, then they actually have the power to kind of cast them out of community. And so, of course, fear occurs straight away as people get to understand what happened. All right, but let's read on and let's see how this ends. This is my favourite bit. Verse 35, we're going to jump to. The Pharisees have just interrogated the healed man. Um, and they've, they've kicked him out. They've kicked him out of the synagogue. Um, they've excommunicated this man because he was involved in this situation, all right? So how horrific. He was sitting down in his place and he got healed and he's been kicked out because of it, all right? So verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. So this is a genuine seeker, this man. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. I love this passage because there's so much more going on than what we just read here. I mean, this man didn't just decide in a split second. There was something that was happening in his heart. There was something that was building to this point where Jesus had this discussion with him and it, it cemented something to the point where he said, yes, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah. And then what I love about this is that not only has he received physical sight, but now he's received spiritual sight. For the first time, his eyes have been opened to the things of God, to his need for Jesus, to the new life that's possible in Jesus. Now, I want to do a little bit, a really brief little bit of teaching here because there's kind of some language nuances that we use in our culture here that needs some explanation. When we talk about spiritual blindness or spiritual sight, there's really kind of two, maybe even three key areas that we can actually talk about. We can talk about this exact situation that we see here where there was a man who did not know Jesus and he came to a point where he actually believed in Jesus. He put his faith and his trust in the work of Jesus Christ. And so our language around that is that he got saved, all right? He believed in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And so we would say that his eyes were opened. The Bible also talks about he crossed from death to life, all right? Now, many people in this room, you would remember when your eyes were opened, when you 
when you found salvation, when you believed in Jesus for the first time. For many of us, it was a journey. For other people here, it was a day where someone said, raise your hand right now, declare it today. And on that day, you knew this is my day. I'm raising my hand. Or if you were old school back then, they would do the altar call and they'd say, come down the front if you wanna receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And you had to get up out of your seat and walk down there. And that was the day. Right? How many people remember getting saved? Yes, I hope that's a lot. Okay. So that, that might be described in our language just as, as your eyes being opened. Your eyes are open to the Lord, to His goodness, to what He's done for you, to your need, to your state, even your sinful state in that place that you're in need of a Saviour. Your eyes have been opened. That only happens through God's grace. I want you to know. It only happens because God pursues you. We talk about us pursuing Him. It is the Father who is pursuing us. And by His grace, we get to actually have our eyes open to Him. All right, the second way we can talk about it is more to do with what the Holy Spirit actually reveals to us. And so let me give you an example real quick. Um, If I was to say in the physical that I could see that my wife Liz is a very caring person. What's actually taking place there is a combination of things. Often it's many senses coming together to form that thought in my mind, which I describe as being able to see this, okay? And so what that might be is that one day I see Liz doing something really caring for someone. Physically, I see her do that, okay? But then I also overhear something that she says to that person and I think, man, that's really caring. And then I spend some time with Liz and she's talking about how her heart breaks for these people who just need some love. And I realise, wow, she's actually got this really caring heart as well. And so I combine all these things and they come together and I conclude with this one thought is that I can see that Liz is a caring person. All right, are you with me? So this is in the physical. Now in the spiritual, our spiritual sight is much the same. It is a collective of what Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so in any one day, I might, have, I might use the language where I say, uh, I can see that God is doing something in my life right now, something very specific. And the way that I've formed this conclusion is because in the morning I've been getting up and I've been reading the Word and God has been highlighting some stuff to me in that Word And then I was at Encounter a few weeks ago and some random person came and prayed for me and they prayed this prophetic prayer over me which actually said the same thing that I felt God had been highlighting to me in the Word, right? And I'm collecting these things that Holy Spirit is highlighting to me and in that place I put them together and I see, Father, I can see what you're doing right now. Are you with me? This is what it actually looks like. Now, for some people, if you're new to this and you feel like, man, this is all a bit weird, okay? This extra set of eyes we have, it's, you know, is this new age or what? Stay with me, okay? This is not heresy. But this is language that we use and it's really centred around living a life in the Spirit and the Father revealing things to us that only He can reveal to us. So if we stay in a flesh state, That's all we're ever going to know is the physical. But as soon as we live in the Spirit, then these things actually change for us. I was was getting a haircut a few weeks ago now. And for me, 
like every time I just, I just have this sense of God, all right, what are you going to do? Because I know I'm going to get in the chair and they're going to ask me, so what do you do? Right? And so I went into the place and I was in a real hurry, but there was a long wait. And so I was a bit like, ah, oh, what's going on here? Do I wait? Do I wait? And I thought, yeah, I'm going to wait. And then I looked around this, this barber's and I've actually already had the opportunity to share with two out of the three people who are cutting hair. And so I was, I was thinking, oh God, like, all right, I'll be honest. I was thinking, God, I'm not really in the mood today. All right? <laughs> I just, can I just get a haircut? An introverted Dan can just sit there and we don't talk and then I go. Like, is that possible? And I'm sitting there waiting, having this discussion. And you know what God says to that, right? He's like, Dan, just stop it. Just stop it. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So we talk like that a lot. And so, um, you know, everyone's cutting hairs. And you know when you're watching, like when you're waiting and you're like, oh, I'm going to get that person. Like, they're really good. That's great. Or I hope I don't get that person. And you tell they're finishing up and you're like, I'm next. Anyway, I'm doing a little bit of that and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with that person. I've talked to them before. Had some really good spiritual chats and stuff. That's cool. Anyway, turns out it was the only person that was cutting hair that I've never actually talked to. So I get in the chair and start cutting. There's a small chit chat and then it comes to, so what do you do? I said, well, I actually helped lead this church in Burpengary. And they ask a few questions, which is, that's a start because it hasn't just killed the conversation. There are often times where that conversation finishes right there. (laughs) So things like progress a little bit and this guy who's cutting my hair eventually says to me, so like, what actually got you into like Jesus stuff? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) all right, Lord. I know Pastor Tam, she's got such a great heart that she would have been like, woohoo! I'd like, I'd used up all my words by like eight in the morning. So I'm like, in my language, he's essentially just said, can you tell me your testimony? He's given me permission. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So I share my testimony. And uh, it seems like he's actually interested. He opened up the conversation and I shared my testimony. And what's funny was it got to a point where he said, oh, okay, so what, like, what, what is this church now? Where is this church? I said, oh, it's in Pitt Road in Burpengary, not far from here, actually. And, he start, and he's been thinking. He's been thinking, but he starts to like, think more. And he says, um, he says, you know what? I used to go to this church in Burpengary once. Now, he's lived a whole different life because in there he's sharing his life, I'm sharing my life. I find out that he's lived, uh, that he's spent well over a year on the streets down in St Kilda in Victoria, which is where I'm from. And so we'd had a chat about that, about how hard that must have been and things like that. And he's telling me, but his life's, you know, a bit on track now, you know. And so he says, you know, I used to go to this church in Pitt Road years and years ago, like when I was a teenager. And I was like, oh, man, well, you know, tell me about that. How was that? What happened? And he goes, you know what I do remember? Like every second Sunday there was this guy. He was like a pastor there or something. And me and my mates, we would turn up at the church and he would take us surfing. 
And he's like, that's, that's actually what I remember. I don't remember much more than that, but I remember that. And I got to just talk into that and, and even just say, man, like a, I wonder if God's doing something in your life. You know, just pose that question to him. So then I got to leave, you know, the hairdressers and stuff like that and just leave going, all right, God, you stitched me up again. But this is what happens, right, when we actually walk around with our spiritual eyes open. We're actually hungry. We're actually looking for these things. And please do not model off me, okay? (laughs) Because if we do that, there's a tendency to actually be blind, to say, God, I'm sitting in here with my eyes closed, okay? I don't want to see what you're doing. I don't want to see people that you highlight, highlight to me. I don't want to hear things that you might be saying or requiring of me right now. And so we sit there in a blind state. And the reality is that we can actually move through life in this blind state. And so there was a time where our eyes were open to the things of God and it was awesome and it's amazing that God does that. But then after that, we've decided to close our eyes and walk around essentially in the dark for the rest of our lives. And I for one find that so challenging. What a beautiful story that here is this man, physically blind and spiritually blind. And on this day, Jesus comes and both are healed. He is set set free from both things. Now, for me, this actually makes me feel this responsibility to say, Father, my spiritual eyes have been opened and I hear your voice and I'm in your word and I have people around me who encourage me and I'm collecting all these things. Help me to live as someone who lives with their spiritual eyes open. I want to see what you're doing. I want to see the things of God at work. I want to be open to that. Don't we want to be people like that? The one, the one kind of, if there's some people here right now, just from a teaching sense, I just want to touch on this. God also gives people the spiritual ability at times to see more than that, to even see angels, to see demons, to see pictures and things like that. That's a whole different message. I just want you to know that. But if there's some people who are thinking about that as well, yes, that's right. We use similar language. We call that seeing in the spirit. And if you want to know more about that, Deb's course on exploring the prophetic is amazing. You can't get in on this time, but there's a whole stack of people who are learning about that right now. And that's another journey for some people as well. Um, when, when my daughter, my eldest daughter was three years old, we used to play hide and seek. And we lived in this townhouse. Some people have heard me tell this before, okay, but it's just too good to leave. Uh, we lived in this townhouse And it was tiny, like it was a matchbox. And we had a baby gate at the bottom of the stairs that went up to the bedrooms and we had a baby gate going into the kitchen. So we essentially got to play hide and seek in our lounge room, right, of which there's a dining table and two couches. So your hiding had to get really creative. But once again, I'm enthusiastic, so I took it very seriously. And I found some great hiding spots. The problem with doing that with a three-year-old is that they lose interest. And so you can stay hiding there for a very long time and they've gone and found something else to do. So then you've got to make these noises like, woohoo! And so you just keep them engaged. So anyway, there was this day and we were playing hide and seek and it was Dali's turn 
to hide and I had to find her. And the easiest way to show for me to, um, to help you understand her strategy is just to show you. So here's a photo I took of Dali hiding that day. <laughs> so that's Dali hiding behind the couch. And at that age, she still had this understanding that if her eyes were closed and she couldn't see me, then I couldn't see her, right? And I just think it's this classic example of how we can kind of go around. And I mean, I could have sat in the barbershop that day and just said, Lord, my eyes are closed. I do not want to see a thing here, right? But it doesn't mean that things aren't still happening and that the Father still has assignments for us. Jesus said, we have these assignments. Each one of us, his disciples, followers of Jesus, we have these assignments. And it doesn't actually matter if we close our eyes, the assignments are still there. There are still people all around us who are blind and in desperate need of healing. And it's us that the Father gives the assignments. And so I just wanna show you a few things. Are you still with me? Okay, I'll wrap up quick. Um, I want you to think about this for a second. Maybe each one of us suffers from some form of spiritual blindness. As I was reading this, I thought it's so easy for us to actually look at the Pharisees and say they were the blind ones. Like, how could they do that? They, they couldn't see Jesus and he was right in front of them. And yet how often do we go through life and we have these assignments, these opportunities, these promptings from Holy Spirit, and yet we choose to not even see them. And maybe it's even because of what we know. Like we come in this place of religious knowledge where we think, well, Father, that would not be you. That's not how you do things. And so I'm not gonna have part in that. And we bypass it. Meanwhile, the Lord's saying, over here, over here, there's something so wonderful for you to be a part of over here. Now, that can be such a range of things for us. It can be our church background, the things that we've been taught. You know what heavily influences it is our experiences. Like what about when things happen and we go, well, that's never happened to me before. Like that, surely that's not from the Lord. God doesn't speak to me that way so that can't be from the Lord or laughter like just laughter that's surely that's not from the Lord where's the control in that you know it appeals to these things inside of us and we can sometimes end up being the Pharisees maybe this let me give you some examples maybe your blindness is preventing you from seeing how much God loves you and there's just this identity issue where you've actually got these lies stuck all over you and you can't actually hear and know that the Father loves you. And maybe that's for today. Maybe there's just someone in this room that just needs to hear this. The Father loves you like more than you could ever imagine. He loves you. That's what He wants you to know. Maybe you can't see the extent of sin in your life and you actually justify it and live with it. And maybe you think that it doesn't cause any damage, it's not doing anything, and so you can't see what's actually going on in that place. Maybe you can't see a way out of your current situation, even though the Lord is trying to show you something. Maybe you can't find hope in Jesus 
that you're feeling hopeless. Maybe there are some untrue teachings that have taken hold in your life and affect the way that you actually relate to God. They're coming between you. Maybe you can't see who God has actually called you to be. You know when we can have this view of ourselves at times and then other people just like, they hear that and they're like, what are you talking about? Like maybe for some people in, in this room, the Lord is just like looking at you like, what are you talking about? That's not true. So here's where we end up. There's, there's these four different reactions in this passage. Let me just touch on these real quick. You've got the neighbours. I think they'll come up. The neighbours were surprised, but they were sceptics also. They're like, we knew this man, but is this really him? You've got the Pharisees who didn't believe that this was Jesus, that this was a miracle, and they were opposed to what was actually going on. You have the parents who actually believed that the miracle had happened. They knew that this was their son, but they wanted to keep quiet because they were stuck in fear. If we actually admit that this is the Lord, what's going to happen to us then? So fear of man is what I'm talking about. And then you have the healed man who went on this journey where his faith grew consistently to the point where he acknowledged God and worshipped. And I wonder which one we are. And it might be which one we are today and maybe we're a different one tomorrow, but I wonder which one we are. Because you know what? I think there are so many Christians who are like the neighbours. And they hear about things that God does, that God is still at work today and they're surprised by that, but then they're sceptical. Really? Is that of God? Could that be right? Like that doesn't sound healthy. Uh, They just want your money. Someone's getting rich out of this. Just that sceptical edge comes in. I know that we've got churches full of Pharisees people who put their faith in their own knowledge and experiences rather than in Jesus Christ. Anytime something doesn't fit their box, they just shut down, shut down. And then I think so many of us who are pursuing the power and the presence of God and want to see him at work, we end up living like the parents where we believe that God, that's who God is and that that's what he does. But when something happens or when God requires something of us, that we can actually have this fear of man that holds us back and we end up like the parents. So as I wrap up, I just want to highlight two things to you. Band, you guys can come up. Number one is that God is calling us to live with our spiritual eyes open. You can put that in your own language any way that suits. But what we're saying is that the Father by the Spirit is calling us to engage in His plans and purposes. Every minute of every day, even while you're sleeping, the Father is just saying, come and work with me. This is what the Lord desires for us. The second thing I want you to see is this, we actually get the opportunity to be people who help other people see. And so the blind man got healed. Amazing, wonderful thing. You know what's so much cooler? Is that Jesus got to be a part of that process. 
And I read this situation and I think, what would it look like for people to actually look at my life and to see things and because they see things that there then is a point where their eyes are open to the Father. Like that, to me, that is just the ultimate. And the Lord has been stirring this up in me so much, especially while I was on leave. While I was on leave and I was, I'd taken a step out of this place, God burdened my heart so heavily for the people in this community whose eyes are closed. And I'll give you a newsflash is that so many of them are not even thinking about things of God. Like they've got lives that they're living. And we see things and we think, well, they need God there and they need God there. And we know that they need salvation, but they don't know that. They don't see that. So many of them are not even seeking. And then we start talking about the people who are actually searching as well. And I love what the Father is doing in this place and the mark that He has put on this place. But being a presence-orientated people, I can tell you this, short of the most amazing revival in history, most of the people out there who are sitting in the dark are not gonna turn up here next Sunday. Now we keep praying and I'm the first to believe that God can do this. I've read the books through history. I know that when God pours His Spirit out, amazing things happen. People's hearts do shift. They do get drawn into, into churches, like they fill up to overflowing. Amazing things happen. So please don't hear me saying that God cannot do it. I believe He can. But my heart breaks while we wait. While we wait for this revival to happen, there are so many people who are sitting out there and they don't see. And you and I get to be the people. The strategy that I see is not necessarily them coming here. We'll continue to invite people. We'll continue to welcome people. But that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus. That right here, two, three hundred people in this room, that we would be the people that help them to see. And you know what's so cool? I actually love this. It may have nothing to do with Hope Community. Nothing. It might have nothing to do with our church. I hope one day those people end up in a great church, but it might have, we, we get no claim to it. When you and I go out into the places and spaces where the Father has us planted and other people get to watch in and they see, Dan, there's something different in your life and it just got me thinking. And then one day you have a talk, what is that? And you get to tell them, well, this is what Jesus has done in my life. And then one day they come to you and they're like, I realise that I need this Jesus in my life and their eyes are open for the first time. This is what we live for. This is one way that revival can break out. And so not only do we have to pray, Father, help me to see every minute of every day, but help me to be someone who helps other people see. Can I just be Jesus? Like can my life just be in me, just be in me, going about my life, doing my stuff, And in the middle of that, these interactions are occurring where people say, I see something different. And I wonder if that's for me.
I think we need to pray for this church. I believe that God actually has great things for Hope Community. As much as I wrestle with it, I struggle so much with big church, mega church, whatever you wanna call it. I think Hope Community is situated where God wants to do something that will see a lot of people come to this place. But that does not change what we carry. That does not change who we are. Maybe lots of those people are gonna come because they meet one of us and they say, I'm gonna come and I wanna find out more about this. And the Lord takes them on this journey. So can we jump on our feet? And I'd just love to finish in prayer. As we worship today, I just wanna lead us just in a time of prayer And I'd just love to see God just stir up our hearts, to break our hearts, to reignite a flame where we've kind of, maybe we feel like, yeah, I've been walking around blind. I've closed my eyes to that. I've closed my eyes to that. Maybe you've had those conversations where you've said to the Lord, just give me a day off, will ya? I don't feel like talking to anyone today. I don't feel like doing that today. Like maybe you've had those conversations. So can we just start praying? And I wanna invite you just to pray how you feel led right now. We're praying in this space, we are praying for ourselves. Father, help me to be someone that sees, sees what you see, hears your voice is fully engaged with what You're doing in the Kingdom, in the here and in the now. Father, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. In me, Heavenly Father, let me be used by You. Can we start to pray, church? And I, I want If you're an out loud prayer, you can pray out loud. If you wanna pray in your prayer language right now, pray, this is the time, this is the place to pray and say, Father, let it start with me. If we're praying for revival, it's gotta start in us anyway. Awaken me, Heavenly Father, let it start in me, Lord. Pour out Your Spirit on each one of us, Lord, in a way that stirs us up afresh. Even that tomorrow we wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, I wanna see what You're doing. I wanna hear what You're saying. Just like Jesus, I only wanna do what I hear You are saying. I only wanna do what I see You doing, Heavenly Father. God, let my life just be open to You. As I go about my life, the things that You've put in front of me, Father, do great and mighty things. Father, we pray as a people that we be people with our eyes open, Heavenly Father. As spiritual blindness would be broken off us, Lord, this morning I just pray, bad teaching broken off in Jesus' Name, lies broken off in Jesus' Name. We pray for a restoration in Jesus' Name. I pray for a restoration of identity, where that's been stolen by the enemy, Heavenly Father, where there's been things that have clouded our vision. We pray that they be removed in Jesus' Name. Help us to see clearly, I pray, Heavenly Father. Let it start with us, Lord, is my prayer, Father. A mighty army in this room, right here, that Your Spirit would just break out from us. We pray in Jesus' Name.
Church, now I wanna just shift it and I want us to start praying in that idea of us being people that others would see Jesus, being people that would lead others to be able to see. Can we start to be praying for the ones and the twos? If there are names on your heart, start praying for people by name. If there are communities that you are aware of that the Father has you planted in, pray for that community right now. I've heard so many testimonies about revival breaking out in community groups, that that's where the Lord starts and does amazing things. Just recently, someone was sharing me about, they went to a tiny school and revival broke out in that school. And hundreds of people came to know Jesus Christ. It was like the Father just said, today is the day it's gonna happen. And so Lord, we just pray, God, that You can help us to be the people that our lives would be this beautiful representation of who You are, Heavenly Father. I pray that in a season where there is so much unknown, Father, where so many people are not open to the things of God, Lord, that there would be a grace on us, Father, that the lost, that the blind, that the seeking, that they would be drawn to us, God. And when that happens, that we have eyes to actually see Your plans and Your purposes, Father. God, we lift up people by name. Open their eyes by Your grace, Heavenly Father. Open their eyes that there would be a day very soon where their eyes are open and they say yes to Jesus, Heavenly Father. I just have one more thing. I just feel like there are people in this room and you're feeling like, how could God use me? I don't hear His voice like that. I don't know what He wants of me. I've stuffed up. I don't know anything about Him. I don't know the Bible. If people ask me questions, I wouldn't know how to answer. I've never led anyone to Jesus and I probably never will. Heavenly Father, we just wanna pray right now that You come. And I just pray for an affirmation in the Spirit right now over those people who are struggling in this place a recommissioning, Lord that You would open their eyes, that You would remind them afresh that it's You, it's You, Lord, that we don't do it, Father, but we, we get to do it in Your strength, in Your Spirit, Heavenly Father. In all our weakness, God, in all our brokenness, with all the, in the midst of all the things that we don't know, we get to partner with You, Heavenly Father. So I just pray right now that You come, Lord, break some of that stuff off people today. Remind them afresh of who they are and what You've put in them, God. That each one of us is Your hands and feet, 
on this earth, God. Each one of us can be a beautiful representation of Jesus in us, Lord. so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.